Welcome to the podcast. My name is Ari Mac. Today's show. We're going to speak about the news about Cuomo being in trouble. Um, and we're also going to be speaking about Cruz. How Cruz is uh, lately in the media. Fortunate stuff um, the media likes to talk about. Um, we're also going to speak about the holiday, upcoming holiday that we're celebrating um, a little. I'm going to speak about that a little. And then we're also going to speak about the weather. And guess what's coming up? Baseball! So happy baseball is coming up. And also hockey's in the season. Um, we're going to speak about hockey. Um, yeah, we have a lot of sports topics to speak about. Hyped um, for baseball. Um, really hyped because the Yankees has some good, 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 uh, pictures this year. Um, they have, we're going to speak about that. I, I really want to get into it right now, but this is the main intro. So let's get, let's get into, uh, our, our, uh, podcast and then let's speak about some, uh, speak some sports and other stuff. Because I'm really happy today. A Sunday afternoon. Happy day. Um, and yeah. So let's get into it, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Let's get to our sponsor. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the podcast. So, guess what's back coming up on. Uh, this coming week, actually, baseball is coming back. The Yankees are going to be playing uh, spring training. I think it's t- uh, Tuesday. When is uh, the Yankees playing? I want to pull that up. Let's pull that up right now. Um, Because I'm a huge Yankees fan. And, yeah, they're playing... They're Actually, they play that. That was the last time they played uh, on October 9th. Um, but they're going to be playing the spring training. Is going to be there. They have the um, pitchers and catchers um, stuff already. Um, but the spring training is February 28th. You can listen on WFAN. They're playing Toronto. That's their first game. And then they have the whole March. Um, The regular season. When does the regular season begin? It looks like very early season this year. It looks like a very early season this year. March 2nd. Looks like it. Seems like it. Yeah. Um, but no, it's not it's not um March second. March second is the uh spring training still. So opening day. Ladies and gentlemen, we have amazing news for opening day. The Yankees are going to be uh tickets. Uh, for the game 
are not currently available during the 2021 visual game ticket on sale because because became a Yankees you have to become a Yankees insider and be the first to know when tickets go on sale um that but there is going to be fans at Yankee Stadium for the 2021 season there is allowed to be fans in the 2021 season but you have to have your test and you have to have um, proof of your PCR test and everything three days before uh, your game. And it's it's really good. I like the idea. I think it's um, but it's gonna be annoying to have the test and everything. But it's a good idea, as long as if we get um. Everything running with uh, sports. I'm happy that sports, fans, and everything gets back and running. Finally. Next, let's go to the NHL. NHL hockey. Hockey's my lifetime sports that we've been waiting for. It's our greatest sport in the world. Um... That everybody loves. All of a sudden. When you hear hockey. Boom. Let's go to a hockey. I hope. I, I hope next year we can go to a hockey game. Usually I go once a year. Or even. Never. Because they're expensive. How much are tickets usually? Really? He's saying he my um my producer tells me it's really expensive, not that much is. But we here here we go. Let's go with standings. All right. In the central, no. Let's go to the start off with the uh, Eastern. Well, the Devils are in seventh place. They're six and four and two. The Islanders are 8, 6, and 3. Rangers are 6, 7, and 3 also. But the top, top, top teams are 14 and 3. Toronto. Edmonton is on the bottom, 12 and 8. Um, Who else we got? But I I I feel like that hockey this year you must watch. It's a must watch thing this year in general. Any any sport this year I'm going to be watching a lot of baseball in general. Last year I watched a lot of games. I had fun, but it was boring. It was the most boring thing in the world. I did not like <laughs> Last year's baseball. Why? Because. Um, because it was. Only 60 games. Who the hell wants 60 games. In a season. Why don't we get a normal season. With fans. With everything. Um, everyone tested. 
pre-COVID tests and everything is all right, let's do it. Yeah. God willing, everything will be all right. I'm so happy. All right, let's get to the news and we're going to talk about um, uh, Ted Cruz. Just in a couple minutes, um, we got your uh, Cuomo, Cruz, and everything. Um, including Trump stuff, and Biden crap, and even, um, Ron DeSantis stuff, coming up on the podcast. Let's go. Here we go, on the podcast. Alright, so, um, let's get to the, the news. Um, lately, the media has been bashing, um, Ted Cruz. Why? For some stupid reason. And they've been they've been bashing him since he left uh, to Cancun and came back during a actual freeze. Now, what the heck do I have to say about this? What the heck do I have to say about it? You gotta ask me. You gotta ask. You gotta ask me about it. Many people are asking me about what I have to say, but I don't have that much to say about it. Um, my opinion is, let the man get it. He's not your governor or even your mayor. He's not one of those important peoples that basically make decisions of Texas itself. It's basically the media is trying to do, or even the Democrats are trying to do, is cancel out every single um, Republican that support Donald Trump. That's what they're trying to do. So let's get listening to, um, Cruz speak. Here we go. Newsmax. Choose offers, shop. Texans in It is strange, right? Matter. Hope you're watching this. I want to pick up where we left off, guys, because I have an update about the Ted Cruz situation. He has now released a statement. I'm going to read from it here. Ted Cruz flying down to Cancun, Mexico. We have it up on the screen here. Here's what he said. This has been an infuriating week for Texans. The greatest state and the greatest country in the world has been without power. We have food lines, gas lines, people sleeping at neighbors' houses. Our homes are freezing and our lights are out like millions of Texans. Our family lost heat and power, too. With school canceled for the week, our girls asked to take a trip with friends. Wanting to be a good dad, I flew down with them last night, and I'm flying back this afternoon. My staff and I are in constant communication with state and local leaders to get to the bottom of what happened in Texas. We want our power back. We want our water on and our homes warm. My team and I will continue using all our resources to keep Texans informed. So, Joe, not a great look for Senator Cruz, is it? I mean, look, if people will say it's just bad optics. Uh, to me, it's bad stewardship. At the end of the day, when we go to the ballot box, we're asking for people who have chosen to raise their hand and say that I will put the needs of the many above the wants of the few. And sometimes the few include your own family. So I think while it is commendable that you want to be there for your family, people are going to die in the state of Texas due to gross mismanagement. You can blame the wind turbines 
Republicans if you want. Uh, you can blame Joe Biden if you want to try to raise some campaign dollars. But at the end of the day, whether you're talking about dead people in New York City uh, because of a governor that won't take accountability or whether you're talking about people trapped in homes with burst pipes uh, because they didn't have the foresight to recognize that a third of their power grid was going to be shut down, it all stems from the fact that the people who raise their hands to serve are incapable of standing in front of a camera and saying, we got it wrong. Right. And until we have robust accountability uh, for all people involved, we're never going to be able to get the leadership that this nation deserves and desperately needs. Yeah, you think about in contrast when you know, like President Trump went down to Puerto Rico, he obviously wasn't welcome down there, but he went down there because it's the right thing to do. You know, the optics is one thing. The stewardship, Joe, that's a great point that you have there. We'll see what comes of it. But we had Ted Cruz's statement there. I'm sure this story might last a couple days. We'll get some more on this. But Amanda, TW, thank you guys as well. Thanks for being with us for the last two hours, Joe. We appreciate it. We'll see you this weekend. Hi. I'm a that was uh, two days ago. So here's Ted Cruz's response to the media. They turned awful in Texas. Senator Ted Cruz of Texas has come under fire for taking a family trip to Cancun while the weather turned awful in Texas. And this was Dick Morse. Many people lost their power. He joins us now exclusively by Skype to discuss the situation. Senator, how are you doing? I'm doing terrific. Great to be with you, Dick. Good. So what's your side of the story? Well, sure. As, as you know, Texas this week has been hit by two horrific winter storms. It knocked out power for some four million Texans. Among them was our family. And so we spent two days with no heat, no power. And after a couple of days, our daughters said, look, this is let's go somewhere warm. School's just been canceled. Let's let's get some friends from school. Let's go somewhere warm. Heidi and I are parents. And so we said yes. And, and so we booked tickets the next day. We, we, we flew out the next day. Uh, my plan had been to work remotely, as, as I've been doing, as we've all been doing for a long time in, in the age of COVID. Uh, but I got to tell you, even as I started flying out, I started having second thoughts about leaving just because Texas is in crisis right now. A lot of Texans are hurting, and, and, and I think it's important for me to be here physically. And so uh, I ended up changing my flight and coming back the next day. I'm back in Texas now. And focusing really on the issues I was focused on before leaving uh, briefly for that trip, which is why the grid went down and how we can make sure this never happens again. I got to tell you, a lot of Texans are pissed off how the energy capital of the world that we think the greatest state and the greatest country of the world could lose power, not be able to turn on our lights and our heat. And I think there are serious questions that right. need to be answered. So this doesn't happen again. I mean, the real issue is that this is the first time a natural disaster has had these kind of implications because of the Green New Deal. If they hadn't come in and replaced uh, your coal and your oil and your gas with wind turbines that freeze and solar panels that don't work in the clouds, uh, this wouldn't have happened. Uh, if this, they replace your energy with renewable energy that won't renew. Well, I think you're right that there are a lot of government mandates and subsidies that, that, that have distorted the energy market. You know, Texas is the number one producer of wind energy in the country, and about 25 percent of our power comes from wind energy. The questions you're raising are very good questions because during the height of the storms, that 25 percent dropped all the way down to 2 percent as the turbines froze as they wouldn't turn. The solar panels, likewise, with the bad weather, were not producing energy. 
Now, to be fair, other sources of energy also also had challenges, both coal and natural gas. When the grid went down, some of the natural gas production plant depended on energy, and so it became a self-reinforcing process. That's why I think it's a good thing that Governor Abbott has called for the Texas legislature to study what it is that caused the grid not to be able to handle this surge in demand and, and to make sure that, that we prevent it from ever occurring again. Senator, I'm glad you came on Newsmax so that we could give you a chance to present your point of view. Sounds perfectly reasonable to me. It sounds like the Democrats are trying to get even with you for being so for standing up for election integrity and for Donald Trump during the last few months. Well, I got to say, it, it, it is thing how the networks are obsessed about about my one day trip with my family and yet can't somehow seem to cover Governor Andrew Cuomo and, and the really horrific policies that led to thousands of COVID deaths in New York State, where you've got members of his administration now admitting they were lying to regulators about those policies. I, I, I think the news media ha has an interesting way of assessing what are the real crises facing the country. Thank you, Ted. You know, you get the truth on Newsmax. Hi, I'm a Reckenberg. Yep. No joke. <clears throat> no joke. You heard that right. You got the truth on Newsmax? And you heard him. It's just the media trying to, um, trying to basically shut him down. Shut him down. You heard it right. They're trying to shut down, um, Ted Cruz. Basically. Yeah. And they love shutting down people. They love shutting down everybody. Let's get into the news. Alright. United Airlines um, flight has made a major emergency landing yesterday after suffering a major damage uh, to one of its engine, dropping a huge pieces of debris over a neighborhood in Colorado. Major... Um, and the United Airlines plane that had engine failure dropped big pieces of debris which fell into a backyard of a private home, a bunch of private homes in Colorado. How about that? Imagine seeing debris on, on that. We have breaking news. Former President Donald Trump is set to make its first public appearance since leaving office, confirmed from New York Post. New York Post is very Republican. Oscar the Grouch Cortez calls for a full investigation of Cuomo administration handling of its nursing homes during COVID-19. She says this following statement. Today, Congresswoman Os Oscar Cortez issued, a, issued a, the following statement in solidarity with the elected officials asking for a full investigation of the of the state's <clears throat> handling of the nursing homes during the pandemic. I support the state's return to equal equal governancy and stand with our local officials administration handling the nursing homes during the COVID-19. Thousands of vulnerable New Yorkers lost their lives 
in nursing homes. Throughout the pandemic, their loved ones and the public deserves answers and transparency from their elected leadership and their and the secretary of, to the governor's remarks weren't warrant full of investigation that's that's crazy that is crazy she's normally crazy anyways cold temperatures causing more problems in hot in hot springs arkansas causing a ceiling of a home collapse after a pipe burst. So, what is the whole thing with Donald Trump and public appearance? Donald Trump will be uh, a the keynote speaker at the CPAC, conservative, um, a conservative organization. In Orlando, Florida, his first public speaking engagement since leaving the White House, um, a spokesman for the organization confirmed that today that Trump will be scheduled speaking on February 28th, the last day of the conference. Russia is trying to solve the mystery of its blue stray dogs, which appear, appeared to in industrial areas hundreds of miles apart they've all been checked out and appear to be healthy and are eating very well veterinary suspect suspect the the stray rolled out around in something of at the plant two NYPD officers were hurt after their patrol car collided to with a delivery delivery car um, and smashed into a support pillar for elevated a elevated subway tracks um, in Brooklyn on Saturday morning. Vaccine appointments have started opening up for New Yorkers and understand zip codes six NYC FEMA run sites. Will open over in the next two weeks. Eligible New Yorkers can book available appointments online or by calling the state hotline at 1-833-697-4829 or go to New York State Vaccine Site. Tennessee man. 95-year-old who survived, who served as a Nazi uh, concentration camp guard is deported back to Germany and handed over to the cops for after living in the U.S. for 60 years. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, he has, a, he has little sympathy for Ted Cruz amid the backlash over his Cancun trip. Because the Republican senator made fun of him over in in famous 2017 beach pictures. I don't blame him. I don't blame Ted Cruz. Just, just blame the guy. Just blame the guy. So, Florida said, Florida, Ron DeSantis said, we announced that we are going to be lowering um, our flags today. And half staff in honor of 
the legend, the legendary, um, the legendary, uh, Rush Limbaugh. Here's the following statement. Transform that too, but it goes to the greatness of his soul. What a wonderful, decent human being he was who loved, genuinely loved, genuinely loved the people. So thank all of you for being with us. Thank all of you for being Rush has announced we're going to be lowering the, the flags to, to half staff. Thank you. What we do in, when there's uh, things of this magnitude. Thank you, Barry. One sec, for real quick. And uh, I know they're still figuring out the arrangements, but what we do in, when there's uh, things of this magnitude, uh, once the date of internment for Rush is announced, we're going to be lowering the, the flags to, to half staff. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, James. Just a great, great guy. You've been a great friend to me, and I can't thank you enough. So you heard right. So we're, whatever day that is, they're going to be doing half-staff for Rush. Half-staff for Rush. Um, CPAC. Um, the community guidelines in, uh, London has, um, in Stanford Hill has, uh, reached out to their communities and sent out COVID guidelines, basically telling everybody to be very safe this year, um, for the Purim holiday. So, look out for your guidelines, any, in different areas. Yes. After getting hit with more than twice an average of annual snowfall, this season warmer temperatures are headed our way. According to forecasters, temperatures will now rise into the 40s in the coming days, melting existing snow and giving the city's um, city a breather from additional accumulation, it experts says. Let's get that snow away. Some of the scenes in Texas is like, hey, let's get a, a uh, Barbie snowman. And let's freeze up our bikes. Let's freeze our cars. Yes, no joke. President Trump attorney jo David Schoen telling Alan, Sh Alan Dershowitz why he chose not to make closing argument uh, um, in the sham impeachment trial. More on uh, Newsmax about that. We have that. It is strange, right, that it was only five days ago or so when we were in the middle of impeachment. The president was acquitted, of course. The Trump attorneys won that case. You would not know that by looking at all the glowing profiles of the House managers. Take a look at this stuff. Ooh, Jamie Raskin won the impeachment trial before it began. Dem buzz about breakout stars of Trump impeachment. The beauty of Jamie Raskin's America on display at Trump's impeachment trial. Again, those were all the prosecutors. Meanwhile, what did the defense side get? Vandalism. One of the lead attorneys had this painted on his driveway. Can you believe that, traitor? How about this from the Epic Times? Take a look, please. Trump impeachment attorney canceled by law school and civil rights law group. 
They're talking about our next guest, David Schoen, who was fantastic during the impeachment. He was on the floor of the United States Senate, battling it out, uh, doing the right thing, in my opinion, and he won that case. David Schoen, welcome back to uh, Newsmax. How are you? Fine, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It's a great honor. You bet. Thank you, sir. Uh, Look, this should be (laughs) the fifth victory lap, in my opinion, for you. It's been five days, whatever it's been. You should be on the ultimate professional high. It looks like the opposite is happening to you. Can you tell us about the dust-up at the law school, please? Well, I had hoped to teach a law school course in the fall. I've been in talks with the law school about teaching a civil rights course I've got 36 years of experience as a civil rights lawyer, some major cases. I, I love being around the students. When this came up, I contacted the school to ask whether this would be an impediment. And I was told that, uh, yes, it would be, that some faculty and students would feel uncomfortable to have me on campus if I were uh, getting involved in this case. I thought that was a sad commentary, quite frankly, um, but I also wouldn't want students to be uncomfortable. What's changed is the concept of liberalism. You know, liberalism used to favor the marketplace of ideas. They would want to hear all sides of a story. Everyone has something to bring to the table. Not anymore. This cancel culture has taken on the face. It's become more radicalism than liberalism, quite frankly. And go ahead. No, I, I'm so sorry this is happening. And that word, uncomfortable, oh, I'm uncomfortable. It's like a catch-all. And you can try to make anything happen. I want to see some footage of you, by the way, first, if you don't mind. Roll it up, David, on the floor of the United States Senate. You were powerful, you were intelligent, you were articulate and brave. And again, the accolades, let me ask you this, are you seeing increased business at least? Because the whole world saw, even even the people on the other side, that you're a great lawyer. So is it is there any plus side to this? Uh, there's, I'll tell you what the plus side is. It's not about me. It's about Donald Trump and it's about the integrity of the institution of the presidency. This political weaponization of impeachment uh, struck at the heart of the institution of the presidency, put it at risk, and may have put it at risk in the future. But what I think you're going to see now is a backlash. I think that Donald Trump has gained momentum from the win here. And let's face it, let's look at who he is. They knew who he was when he elected him, and he wasn't one of them. But look at what he did in office. He's the first so-called politician who kept his word. He made promises. He made NATO pay. He brought this first step back that saved lives. He moved the Jerusalem embassy taking principle over political expediency, unprecedented moves in the Middle East, and he put America first. That's what I think is going to come out now. They're going to empower him because everyone saw that the attack was unfair in this impeachment process. David, I like what you're saying. Uh, and they're trying, but how is he going to overcome this? Okay, you mentioned his political deliverables, what he, what he did and what he can do. He's not on Twitter. Um, you know, they're trying to cancel him it doesn't look like it's working, though. You point out that he's got momentum, it seems like. What's next? How's this going to play out? Well, I don't know, but I'll remind you of this. As you well know, he overcame four years of major mainstream media attacking him and not telling his story the entire time. And he still accomplished all of these things. And more than that, even maybe, he, he overcame this Mueller commission, which was such a blemish on our history the idea, the very idea of its nature, but then to, again, this is where I say they're tone deaf, to appoint a committee headed by a lawyer who was a partner in the firm that represented Hillary Clinton, to put an Andrew Weissman as a second in command running the thing, in my view, the most ethically bankrupt prosecutor I've ever come across. Hillary Clinton's lawyer, Jeannie Ree, in her email scandal, was on that committee. The American public demands fairness, and they saw no fairness there. 
They saw again the weaponization that cost us millions of dollars and tried to derail the presidency. There's going to be backlash. Uh, the, I want there to be appropriate backlash, nonviolent backlash. We all do. Of course. At the same time, I feel like people are running scared a little bit. You know, they're like keeping their heads down. Yeah. I'll tell you. I was in Florida not too long ago. There were Trump flags as far as the eye could see before January 6th. I didn't see anything. I don't, I, you know, I, I don't want to overstate the case, but I will tell you this. After I finished that video presentation at the impeachment so-called trial, which was nothing that resembled a trial, the Internet lit up. I've heard from so many people who were empowered by that. Senators came up afterwards. Finally, someone struck back. We've been taking this beating and nobody's speaking out, speaking out. Sure, shows like yours and John Hannity and others show some of these videos, but exposing the double standard, the hypocrisy, meant a great deal to the American people. I'm hearing from people all over the world who don't know me, and I'm not important to that equation, but they're saying how they really appreciated someone speaking up in the name of Donald Trump for them. So let me just ask you, because uh, I know you're a brilliant attorney. We all saw that. Now you're talking a bit more about politics, and uh, I like that, too. What's next for you? I mean, uh, look, you know the battle we're in the middle of. Um, well, how, what's next for you? I mean, look, apparently you don't have much of a future as a law school professor. You should. but So what are you going to do? I'm a small-town lawyer, you know, in Montgomery, Alabama. That's what I right now anticipate returning to. And I, I like to use my law practice to help people. I want to help people get do better in life. That's what I've done for 36 years, and that's what I hope to continue being able to do. All right. Well, I hope you keep in touch with the president, your uh, former client, uh, because I think you guys could work very well together. All right. You guys should stay in thank touch. Thank you very much. You bet. David Schoen, thank you. Best of luck. The Schoen Law Firm in Montgomery. And you also have an, uh, an office in uh, Atlanta, correct? I don't practice in Atlanta, but I, have, I work in New York and Montgomery and different places around the country. Um, as I say, you know, you have to be open to all kinds of ideas. And what I try to do is advance people, uh, advance the cause of people who want to be, get ahead and fulfill the American dream. And that's what I think Donald Trump stood for, for so many of those people. Beautiful. David Schoen, hey, please drop by the next time you're in New York. Thank you very much, David Schoen. Great Thank work, you. by the way, Thank again you. last week. Thank you, sir. Hi. All right, that was David Schoen. He did a great job last time. Uh, meanwhile, CBS aired a segment on... The Lakewood Initiative by Beaker Holem to deliver Shabbos meals over the weekend to struggling Jewish community in Dallas, Texas. It was great. Canada vows to become the second country to make Facebook pay for the news as a global backlash against tech giant continues. President Biden visits um, Texas early at, as of this week after his state um, was devastated by winter weather, widespread power outages, uh, compromised residents' access to water and medical resources. Why did he have to wait all this time? Why did he go right away? Come on. Go right away. Donald Trump would have been right away. Don Jr. said he would have, his dad would have been gone by now in Texas helping out all these people. Oh, I forgot. Biden has to play Mario Kart and then go. 
So the United States uh, police capital police has been, has suspended six officers at and is investigating in a total nearly 30 other in connection with the their um, actions responding to the uh, deadly capital riot breach on January 6. The White House said on Friday that winter storms caused by a a backlog of 6 million COVID-19 vaccine doses um, about three days worth of shipments but they but they expect to clear the backlog within a week so Biden administration is not inviting Russia to join the G7 summit of the world leaders White House spokes- spokeswoman Jen Psaki said on Friday backing away from former President Donald Trump push push for Moscow membership um, an invitation to, for Russia to join the G7 summit would be made would be made in partnership with all the, of the group's members she told reporters um, speaking aboard Air Force One <coughs> inexcusable on today's New York Post, Cuomo keeps blaming the Fed, but order does not say what he claims. Still refusing? Yup, he is. On New York's Post, um, they have everything. Everything all about it. Um, we have a lot about Cuomo. Here we go. So perhaps you heard about the big political scandal that uh, broke yesterday. This was major news, big, big deal. The media was going crazy over it. It was all that anybody was talking about on Twitter. Uh, there were calls for resignations and investigations. It was, it was a big, big deal, right? Massively important story. At least that's what I have been assured repeatedly and loudly over the course of the past 24 hours. The scandal, get ready for this if you haven't heard yet. The scandal is that uh, Ted Cruz went on vacation. I should have played this earlier. But whatever. He goes on with also Cuomo. With his family. That's. I'll pause right here and let you collect yourself for a moment because I know it takes a minute to recover from hearing something as shocking as this. Yes, uh, Ted Cruz. I'll say again so that the severity of this situation can sink in. Uh, I repeat, Ted Cruz went on vacation. Why does this matter? Why is it important? Why should it garner all the headlines and, uh, and so much controversy? Well, you know, you'll have to ask somebody else, frankly, because I don't see it. But it, but it does matter. That, that's what I'm told. It matters a lot. You should care. You must care. Now, let's, let's back up um, and let's, let, let, let's try to figure out why we should care so much about this. We'll back up for a minute. As the story goes, Ted Cruz was spotted at the airport Thursday morning with his family boarding a plane for Cancun. This is scandalous, supposedly, because uh, Texas is in the midst of a crisis with millions of, of its citizens without power and stranded because of the winter storms. As the scandal broke and Texas Democrats called for his resignation about it and every media outlet turned the whole thing into uh, Pearl Harbor, Cruz announced that uh, he would be returning immediately from Cancun and that he was only going there to escort his family, implying that he always planned to, to bring them and then turn around and fly back and come back home. 
He later admitted, though, that he actually cut his trip short, that he was planning to go for the week or however long, and, uh, and he decided to turn around and come back. That night, the New York Times had an exclusive report featuring private text messages between Cruz's wife, Heidi, and, that, and, and her friends. And they published these private text messages. Here's, the, t- here's the, uh, the Times. Here's what they reported. Like millions of his constituents across Texas, Senator Ted Cruz had a frigid home without electricity this week amid the state's power crisis. But unlike most, Mr. Cruz got out, fleeing Houston and hopping a Wednesday afternoon flight to Cancun with his family for a respite at a luxury resort. Photos of Mr. Cruz and his wife Heidi boarding the flight ricocheted quickly across social media and left both his political allies and rivals aghast, aghast at a tropical trip as a disaster unfolded at home. The blowback only intensified after Mr. Cruz, a Republican, released a statement saying that he had flown to Mexico, quote, to be a good dad and accompany his uh, daughters and their friends. He noted he was flying back Thursday afternoon, though he did not disclose how long he had originally intended to stay. Text messages sent from Miss Cruz to friends and Houston neighbors on Wednesday revealed a hastily planned trip. Their house was, quote, freezing, as Miss Cruz put it, and she proposed a getaway until Sunday. Miss Cruz invited others to join them at the Ritz-Carlton in Cancun, where they had stayed, quote, many times, noting the room price this week, $300 a night, and it's good security. Um, the text messages were provided to the New York Times and confirmed by a second person on the thread who declined to be identified because of the private nature of the text. Okay. So that gets us up to speed on the controversy. Now, a few things here. Number one, this is not a scandal. Okay. There, there is no actual reason why Ted Cruz should stay in Texas. He's not going to be pulling out his toolbox and going to fix the power grid himself. Is it a good look to leave? Is it good optics? No, obviously not. It was a political blunder, a political mistake. But that's another way of saying that, that there's nothing actually wrong with taking his family to a warm place. It only looks wrong. It's not actually wrong. It just looks bad. So if you want to slam him for, for doing something that looks bad, uh, if you want to hit him for being politically careless, then fine. But if you pretend that there's some deeper scandal here, some actually corrupt behavior involved in this guy taking a vacation to Cancun, then you're being absurd. You're being ridiculous. In fact, to hit him on the optics is to admit. That's the point about optics. If we say that something is bad op from a politician, what we're saying is it's not actually bad. It just looks bad. But we know it's not actually bad. Well, if you know that it's not actually bad, then stop pretending like stop acting as though you think it is. Um, you know, that said, he obviously was not planning to fly with his family down to Cancun and then turn around and come back, as he seemed to imply initially. So he shouldn't have implied that. So he's handled this badly. There's no question about it. Still, it's not a major scandal or a scandal at all. It's a gaffe. Okay, there's a difference between a gaffe and a scandal. A gaffe is when a politician does something that looks really stupid and bad, but there's no corruption, no crime, no real unethical behavior taking place. So it's a gaffe. Number two, given that this is not a real scandal, publishing private text messages with Cruz's wife and her friends is scummy behavior, almost as scummy as whatever quote-unquote friend uh, sent the text to the media in the first place. Imagine what a scumbag you have to be to do that. You've got your neighbor inviting you on a trip, uh, 
And uh, and what do you do? You immediately contact the New York Times to throw her husband under the bus? Now, there may be a scenario where it would be ethical for the media to publish uh, text messages between a politician's wife and her friends. There may be a situation where that would be ethical. If there is, this is not that situation. A trip to Cancun is not that situation. Maybe if there was criminal behavior taking place and you had text messages that proved it, then, uh, then, then okay, that might be a reason to publish them. This is not criminal behavior or anything close to it. So there's no excuse to publish text messages. Number three, people on social media, especially on the left, have been drawing comparisons between this and the Democrats like Newsom who went to restaurants or hairdressers during the lockdowns. Um, and many were claiming that this thing with Cruz is, is in fact, worse somehow than the stuff with uh, Nancy Pelosi at the hairdresser or Newsom at the, at the restaurant or uh, uh, the, the mayor of Chicago going to the hairdresser, saying that, that at least it's on par, if not worse, the Cruz thing. That's, that's the claim, which is utterly ridiculous. The outrage over Newsom and others, it wasn't that they were off having a good time during the pandemic. That's not the problem. Okay? No, nobody cares if they have a good time. I don't care if they have a good time or not. That makes no difference to me. The scandal was that they were doing what they had forbidden the citizens of their state from doing. They were breaking their own rules and laws and policies. They were passing rules saying, you guys cannot do this, and if you do it, we'll fine you or arrest you. And then they turned around and did that thing. That's the scandal. And that's a real scandal. That's real corruption. That's abuse of power. So that's the difference. So there you have a scandal as opposed to a gaffe from Cruz. Uh, from Cruz, at best, bad optics, not an abuse of power. It's not Cruz violating laws that he helped to pass or any other law. Um, he's not violating any law or rule at all, in fact. To, to, to equate these two things is obviously misleading in the extreme. Number four, most importantly, however you feel about uh, Cancun Gate, you should understand why the media was focusing so intently on this. You can argue that it was a, a bad thing for Cruz to do, a stupid thing, but you cannot reasonably or credibly argue that it deserves all the headlines and the attention that it got. So why did it get that attention? Well, I submit that probably had something to do with this. The Times Union, the paper in Albany, uh, several hours before the big cruise news broke, had this report, quote, uh, the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office in Brooklyn have launched an investigation that exa is examining, at least in part, the actions of Governor Andrew Cuomo's coronavirus task force in its handling of nursing homes and other long-term care facilities during the pandemic. The probe by the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Eastern District of New York is apparently in its early stages and is focusing on the work of some of the senior members of the governor's task force, according to a person with direct knowledge of the matter who is not authorized to speak publicly. Um, okay, so there is a, an FBI investigation. There's a lot more to this report, by the way. You can go to the Times Union and read about it. There's an FBI investigation into Andrew Cuomo, um, the governor of New York, who was hailed as the COVID hero. Now he's being investigated by the FBI for a scandal, an actual scandal, that led to the deaths of thousands of people. Right as news of this investigation was beginning to spread, suddenly the major story is Ted Cruz going to Cancun. I don't think this is a coincidence. Now, you could... To discover and compare...
without the story from, from uh, Cuomo, the media would still be making hay with the Cruz, quote-unquote, scandal because it's a Republican and it's their opportunity to embarrass a Republican. And that's probably true, too. I think all of these things are related. What we do know, though, is that the Cruz story does not deserve the attention that it got. And yet, you, know, you go on social media and you find even conservatives who are joining in the outrage bandwagon, willfully being manipulated by the media. The, the media wants you to see this as a much bigger deal than it is. They want you to see. They are telling you to see it as on par with Newsom. They want you to focus on this instead of the Cuomo thing. And even now, so many conservatives are happy to go along. Even now, are happy to say, well, okay, if you tell me this is what I should care about. It's absolutely absurd. And by the way, just to, just to reiterate, reinforce what I said at the very top here. Um, you know, Ted Cruz is not going to be going and fixing the power grid. Now, maybe what you want him to do is to do the photo ops and to go out and to, to hand, out, hand out cups of soup or whatever. Um, and that's what a lot of politicians, in fact, do in these circumstances. Why do they do that? You know, if there's some sort of natural disaster and the, and the, and the politicians are there themselves personally, you know, handing out the soups and waving to the cameras, why are they doing that? Is it because they care about, is it because they care about their citizens? No, it's because it's a political opportunity. They don't act, nobody needs them. In fact, it's, it's better for them not to be there. Because when they're there, then there's, there's, there's media, there's security. It's actually better logistically to not have them. They can delegate that. I'm not saying that a senator should be doing nothing in response to a crisis like this in his state. But he can delegate it. He can get on the phone privately, make phone calls, send people out to do things. He doesn't need to personally be there himself. And in fact, it's probably better, all things concerned, if he's not. The reason why the politicians themselves personally want to be there is for the photo op. I don't understand why. So that I understand why they, the politician, wants to do that. Why do citizens want that from their politicians? Why do you want a politician to do the photo op? I don't need that. Personally. It's not something that I need to see. And I'd prefer if not, if, they, if, if we didn't see it. Now, if there's evidence that Ted Cruz, even behind the scenes, is doing nothing whatsoever, hasn't delegated anything, hasn't made any phone calls, hasn't sent any of his people out to, uh, you know, to go hand out the soup and to go to the warming stations, and all, you know, if there's evidence that he's done absolutely nothing behind the scenes, then fine, you can get him on that. But I don't see any reason to assume that. All we know is that he was not originally going to be going himself for the photo op. Now he is going to go for the photo op, and uh, I guess a lot of people feel more comfortable, and they feel comfortable now. But thank God we've got the politician doing the photo op. I don't get it. It's being manipulated by the media. Let's all, uh, let's all try to be better than that. Listen, hit that subscribe button. All right. was a fool. So, and then Cuomo. Cuomo. Time now for the news from the left. It's so fun to watch them eat each other, isn't it? Today, Bill de Blasio, New York's liberal mayor, ripped apart Andrew Cuomo, New York's liberal governor. Take a listen. That's classic Andrew Cuomo. Um, a lot of people in New York State have received those phone calls. Uh, you know, the bullying is nothing new. Um, I believe Ron Kim, and it's very, very sad. No public servant, no person who's uh, telling the truth should be treated that way. So this all started with Ron Kim, a New York State Assemblyman from Queens, who said that Cuomo called him a while back and warned him to watch his mouth regarding the nursing home scandal. 
there it was. Kim says that Cuomo said he'd destroy him. Bill de Blasio and Andrew Cuomo have had a strange seven-year relationship. It hasn't been too good. De Blasio was far too left for Cuomo at times. For all of Cuomo's faults, he's pretty sharp. He knew de Blasio was a fool. And then Cuomo started moving left to join the anti-Trump crowd, and they started getting along a little better. But now de Blasio ready to bury Cuomo's career as his own term is up this year. They're both up in the next couple years. Perhaps he wants Cuomo's job. We don't know. Now, de Blasio doesn't have a prayer of getting it, but we can all dream, right? Sticking with Cuomo for a quick second, CNN just made the most convenient decision ever for Governor Cuomo's brother, Chris Cuomo. Now that Andrew Cuomo's political career is in a tailspin, CNN says Chris Cuomo can no longer cover his brother. That ban was lifted all last year as the media and his brother just loved Andrew Cuomo. CNN used to have a ban on covering family members. They lifted it so that Andrew Cuomo could have moments like this with the Q-tip. But now that uh, the story is no longer positive, the ban is back in place. Good old CNN. You gotta love it. Next up, the city of Baltimore has a huge crime problem. Gun violence, homicides, you name it, they got it. And now a convicted murderer turned community activist thinks he has the answer. I think you know where this is going. Pay criminals not to kill people. <laughs> what a How ridiculous is, is right? that? There it is. What a crazy idea, right? Uh, what's crazy is, is that the idea actually appears to work, at least in the short term. NPR reporting that a similar idea was used in Richmond, California, right outside Oakland, and the murder rate was cut in half. Sounds great, right? Easy fix? Think of it another way. Imagine your kid is throwing a temper tantrum. You give them the toy they want just so they'll shut up. It worked. But is that a good precedent to set? America, the country that pays people to not commit crime? To not no. kill each other? What an idea. In California, a couple genius uh, members of a local school board in Oakley left their Zoom call open to the public as they bashed parents who were fed up with their kids not being back in school. Check it out. Are we alone? Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to call me out, I'm going to you up. <laughs> Sorry, that's just me. They want to pick on us. Because they want their babysitters back. They want their babysitters back. Uh, do you mean the babysitters that their tax money pays for? Then yes, you clown. Parents want teachers back in the classroom, and they have every right to demand it. This debate is about to turn into a war. It's heating up. This is a total loser for the left. Every single day, hardworking Americans of all political stripes are getting angrier and angrier with school board members, government officials, and teachers union unions. And all of them are Democrats. The longer the lockdowns and the school closures go on, the better Florida looks to everyone, the better Republicans look to everyone. So yes, parents don't like paying taxes for a half-assed Zoom education that doesn't let them go back to work and leaves their kids far behind. Is anybody surprised by that? No. Ridiculous. Finally, we've all seen what can happen when you doubt the safety of COVID vaccines or maybe question the science. The left will cancel you out of existence and you'll have to live the rest of your life in the woods feeding on berries and small animals. It's happening right now to a waitress in Brooklyn. Listen to this. 34-year-old Bonnie Jacobson told the New York Post she was fired from her restaurant for choosing not to get the COVID-19 vaccine because she was afraid it might hurt her chances of having a kid someday. Our left-wing pope isn't messing around either. Apparently, Vatican employees may lose their job if they refuse to get vaccinated. What's crazy, and what a crazy time it is, that you have to let the government inject you with a shot or else. Think about that. Let me put this needle in your arm or you're in big trouble. That's wild.
I suspect that Brooklyn restaurant may have a heck of a lawsuit on its hands in the coming days. We shall see. <laughs> Hi, I'm a Reckenberg. How, how's that? Um, they're they're going to get a lawsuit in a couple days from maybe some, some from uh, the Trump administration. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, John Hawkins University says that COVID-19 may be over in April. John Hawkins says, um, surgeon and surgeon says, coronavirus mo could be mostly over by April. Marty Mar Marquet, who's a who teaches at the University School of Medicine and Bloomberg School of Public Health, said in an opinion piece published on Wall in the Wall Street Journal on Friday, daily inf inf infections have declined. By 77% in since January. So. Do I agree? Maybe. Do I think it's going to happen? Maybe. But. We still have to uh, be careful. I think it's. It sounds ridiculous. But. It could happen. We'll give our condolences to Rabbi Moshe. Shalom Moshe. Um, Kuputz. A prominent Rav in England. And son-in-law of Yehuda, of the Man son-in-law of the Manchester Rashiva, Hagonarav um, Yehuda Segel, the Zikol Zalik Bracha, passed away uh, this morning at age of 81. Um, Biden declares major disaster more than 14 million told to boil water after power failure. Well, it is a disaster. Why don't you wait until next week, idiot? So New York City um report reported less than um a thousand doses of COVID nineteen vaccine in its position on Saturday, according to data um from the city's website and mid delivery shortage due to the severe weather um that has battered parts of the U.S. Avery Cohen, spokesperson for New York City, Bill de Blasio, tweeted that the lack of significant doses has brought to the city's vaccination effort to a standstill, unfortunately. So, perms in the air in Jerusalem. Videos are being prepped. Mayor Rashiva Hagonrav Laser Yudol Finkel calls on the old Talmudim from Chutzliart, which is the outside of Jerusalem in Israel, for uh, Pesach due to possible lockdown that won't allow them to return to the Shiva after Passover. Um, I don't agree with that. That's other ridiculous. Um, how, how come we need to go into lockdown? After Passover, we have vaccines, we have everything, and we are social distancing, and we are wearing masks. Nearly three million Israelis have received their second dose of the coronavirus vaccine out of four point three million um, Israelis who have who had received the f at least first dose of Sunday morning, according to Health Minister Yuli Edelson. Um, yeah. 
Front cover of New York Times said, after America reaches 500 million COVID deaths, 500,000 COVID deaths, what are we going to do now? Well, this is what I have to say. Former Vice President Mike Pence has declined the invitation uh, to attend this year's conservative political action conference. Of course, he is, because he's an idiot. Fox News reported members of the Pence team had said that Pence harbored some bitterness toward Trump after the January 6th Capitol riot. Of course. New York State DMV is warning people about phishing scam attempting to get personal information. Anyone who received a, a suspicious text message on Saturday morning claiming that to be from the DMV is asked to delete the message and not provide personal information. How cold is it in Wyoming? This resident tossed a cup of boiling hot water into the air. That immediately condensed before touching the ground. And that's the news today. Um, we have a couple more videos to get to. So, Republican declare war on Trump. Reporters, supporters, Chris Schmidt. Coming to the Here conclusion go. that it's best to keep. And happy Friday and good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Chris Salcedo Show here on Newsmax TV. It's been a harrowing week for Americans across the fruited plain from Oregon to Texas. Americans have come to a realization. When the chips are down, the federal government, an entity that has been confiscating ever-growing chunks of money from our checks, was not there for us. On my radio show today, my listeners wondered out loud, where's all the federal aid? Federal aid that we have been paying for low these many decades. Many are coming to the conclusion that it's best to keep our money and resources close to home, where we can make sure it's not being, you know, wasted. According to Joe Biden's mouthpiece, Jen Psaki, one of the few members of our society who can use a gay slur and get away with it, she says the feds are sending blankets, generators, and supplies to Texas. Millions of families spent several nights in sub-freezing temperatures with no power. None of those we talked to has seen a blanket, much less a generator or unnamed supplies. Now, this is nothing new. Americans can't rely on a bloated and unresponsive federal government. That brings up another thought. Just what are elected politicians doing with all of that money they confiscate from our family budgets? One begins to think there's a little overhead somewhere in the system, right? These are the shortcomings of collectivist thought. Equally wanting are the economic and government systems that ooze from collectivism. It's why real Americans oppose a system where elites are well taken care of, but the people are left to suffer. What's also true is that socialists and communists can never deliver on their promises. They always fail where it counts. They always fail. We, the people. If only we had a political party that was unified in opposition to socialism's backward and destructive policies. That leads me to this. The Republicans declare war on Trump's... That's the battle cry we put forth in tonight's preamble.
Because of the 100% unnecessary tragedy in Texas, I was unable to address President Donald Trump's second acquittal from the second fake impeachment. The socialists in the House completely ignored the text of the Constitution. They didn't allow President Trump to cross-examine witnesses. President Trump wasn't allowed due process rights. Now, we expect this behavior from totalitarians in the socialist left-wing party. But the left-wing extremists were joined by leaders of the Republican Party, 10 from the House and 7 in the Senate. Both parties affirmed that the Constitution is meaningless so long as childish politicians need to settle a political score against their common enemy, President Trump and his 75 million voters. President Trump won more support than any other incumbent in history. He did so by pledging to oppose anti-American socialism, stand up to communist China's attacks on America, and return America to a pro-American footing at home and in our foreign policy. In 2016, President Trump dragged a limp noodle GOP over the finish line, giving the GOP control over the Congress and the presidency. Republican leaders, who then lacked leadership, then squandered their opportunity to make lasting change by seeking to actually protect left-wingers in the Obama administration from ever facing justice for the laws they broke in Obama's eight-year occupation of the Oval Office. After the non-impeachment was done, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell sought to make sure that President Trump nor anyone else with an America First agenda could ever rise to challenge the D.C. establishment ever again. President Trump is still liable for everything he did while he was in office as an ordinary citizen. Unless the statute of limitations is run, still liable for everything he did while he's in office. Didn't get away with anything yet. Yet. We have a criminal justice system in this country. We have civil litigation. And former presidents are not immune from being accountable by either one. President Trump broke any law is absurd. And former presidents are not immune from being accountable by either one. McConnell's suggestion that President Trump broke any law is absurd on its face. We've given McConnell credit for his work on judges. And to praise God, it's an effort that pays off in protecting us from socialism in ways that the GOP can no longer or will no longer do. But McConnell's betrayal of the rule of law, not to mention Trump and the conservative movement, was nothing short of a declaration of war on us. McConnell doesn't want Trump in his Republican Party. And frankly, he doesn't want the 75 million Trump supporters there either. You all have forgotten your place as far as the minority leader is concerned. Lindsey Graham seems to know and understand what McConnell's declaration of war actually means. I think Senator McConnell's speech, he got a load off his chest, obviously. But unfortunately, he put a load on the back of Republicans. That speech you will see in 2022 campaigns. I would imagine if you're a Republican running in uh, Arizona or Georgia or New Hampshire, where we have a chance to take back the Senate, they may be playing Senator McConnell's speech and asking you about it as a candidate. And I imagine if you're an incumbent Republican, there are going to be people asking you, will you support Senator McConnell? in the future. GOP betrayal of conservatives will have a lasting impact on fundraising 
and will undermine the GOP brand, perhaps irrevocably. McConnell is so far out of touch, he tried to claim that the Senate somehow saved the Republic by defeating an impeachment that was illegal from the start. I believe the Senate was not, was right not to grab power the Constitution doesn't give us. And the Senate was right not to entertain some light-speed sham process to try to outrun the loss of jurisdiction. But the majority of the Senate did just that. Every socialist Democrat and seven Republicans voted to cast the Constitution aside in an effort to exact revenge on a man who disrupted their little elitist club. Here are the seven Republicans who sided with socialists, ignoring the limits on their power in the Constitution. Republican Senators Richard Burr of North Carolina, Susan Collins of Maine, Bill Cassidy of Louisiana, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, Mitt Romney of Utah, Ben Sass of Nebraska, Pat Toomey of Pennsylvania. They joined the likes of Liz Cheney, Fred Upton, and Adam Kissinger in the House who betrayed our mutual compact. Their betrayal will have lasting and damaging consequences to our nation. We've opened Pandora's box to future presidents, and if you use this model, I don't know how Kamala Harris doesn't get impeached if the Republicans take over the House, because she actually bailed out rioters, and one of the rioters went back to the streets and broke somebody's head open. So we've opened Pandora's box here, and I'm sad for the country. Oh, whoa, 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 wait. She did much more than that. Harris actually called for violence to continue in America's streets, something that President Trump never did. They're not no. going to stop. They're not going to stop. And that's, they're not, this is a movement, I'm telling you. They're not going to stop. And, and everyone beware, because they're not going to stop. It is going to, they're not going to stop before Election Day in November, and they're not going to stop after Election Day. And that should be, everyone should take note of that on both levels, that this isn't, they're not going to let up and they should not. Now, Harris doesn't have anything to worry about. She won't be brought up on impeachment charges if, and that's a big if, if the GOP wins the House ever again. Here's the reason why she has nothing to worry about. The GOP is populated with lawmakers like this. They don't violate the Constitution or uphold it to actually punish the guilty. These Republicans would never dream of holding Vice President Kamala Harris to the same standard they held President Trump. These, air quotes, leaders of the GOP are there to normalize the deviant anger of Democrats, not to oppose them. The only people who Ben Sass and Mitt Romney and Mitch McConnell oppose is Trump and his 75 million voters. Sass, McConnell, Romney, Cheney, Kinsinger, and the rest they want you all to know it is their Republican Party. It never belonged to you. And you know what? As far as this conservative is concerned, it is your Republican Party, Mitch. It is your Republican Party, Adam Kissinger, and you can have it. Those of us who believe in a government of, by, and for the people, we'll be looking elsewhere for an effective opposition party to the Democrat socialists. You just watched news. Popping up throughout LA in the last. So
saw the recall effort over Governor uh, Newsom in California hitting a major milestone. Organizers now claiming they have gathered more than 1.5 million signatures that are needed, by the way. 1.5 is the marker you need to get to to trigger a special election. We have more than 500 California wildfires. New encampments have been popping up throughout L.A. in the last five months. The number of people living outside appears to have multiplied. There are now thousands of crimes a year like this one in which the suspects are homeless. One in six restaurants will not survive the pandemic. People are just bailing. There's a mass exodus out of California right now. You can quibble about the guidelines, et cetera, et cetera, but the spirit of what I'm preaching all the time uh, was contradicted. Today, we are going to talk about why Governor Gavin Newsom in California is being recalled. We're going to talk about how the recall works. We're going to talk about why people in California are angry at Gavin Newsom. We're going to talk about his COVID policy and the failures of his COVID policy. First, let me just say thank you to our friends over at Raycon for sponsoring this video. Let's get a recall. The question is, should the governor be recalled? You require over 50% of the people voting to say that he should be recalled. And then you have the recall election, which doesn't include Newsom. It includes a bunch of other candidates. So the last time this happened back in 2003, Gray Davis got recalled. Arnold Schwarzenegger became the governor because the ballot was split 1,000 ways. Right, A majority of Californians agreed that Gray Davis should not remain governor. But then there were 1 million candidates who ran, including people like Gary Coleman, Famously ran, there were porn stars who ran as well, and Arnold Schwarzenegger emerged the governor of California at 48% in the polls. Well, this time around, just in terms of pure likelihood that, that Newsom will be recalled, the current polls show that there is not a majority of Californians who are willing to actually vote Gavin Newsom out of office. So you can get the recall on the ballot, but it looks like that first question right now will fail. Now, the recall election is not going to take place for several months. The recall election is going to take place presumably a lot later this year. When that happens, that means months and months of negative campaigning about Gavin Newsom. And there is a lot to base that negative campaigning on because Gavin Newsom is a trash. A full pool with over. Ash heap of a governor. He's a terrible governor. He pledged that he was in some ways going to be more moderate than Jerry Brown. Gavin Newsom has presided over a massive loss of business. Hundreds of thousands of people have left California because of the business climate in California. He has pressed forward with plans for higher taxation. He has pressed forward with higher regulation. The cities have been made cesspools of homelessness. The living conditions have declined radically in places like San Francisco and Los Angeles. A bifurcated, stratified society has emerged in places like San Francisco and Los Angeles, where basically if you're very rich, you can live there, and if you're very poor, you're homeless. That's essentially what has happened there. That is due to a wide variety of state and local programs. Plus, it also turns out that the crime rates in California have been rising. They rose precipitously last year in the wake of the Black Lives Matter protests, which were supported, of course, by Gavin Newsom. Policing in places like Los Angeles went completely down the toilet. Again, because the state decided not to support its police officers. So, you got a bad business climate, got a bad tax climate, got a bad regulatory climate. You have a terrible climate with regard to crime. You have a terrible climate with regard to immigration, because there are sanctuary cities all over the state of California. And California makes every attempt not to have new immigrants to the state of California assimilate in any serious way to other sort of traditional American ideals. It's just not something California is particularly interested in. You've seen net outflows from California many years in a row, and it's been exacerbated by Newsom. Okay, you add on top of that the fact that Gavin Newsom has been a horror show when it comes to COVID, and that's the recipe for a recall. So Gavin Newsom has been pretty much a waste of space, but I will tell you something that is not a waste of space. In fact, something that will make your life infinitely better. I'm talking, of course, about these. Raycon. Raycon offers their six hours of playtime. See- Bring your favorite into my ear. 
link in the description box. A little bit of steam, but not tremendous amounts of steam. And then the COVID pandemic hit. And at the very beginning, the media loved Gavin Newsom. He was the best. He was incredible. He pursued lockdowns at the highest level. People in Los Angeles, I was living there, were locked down for months at a time. They are still locked down. Right? Lockdown is the preferred policy of Gavin Newsom. There is only one problem. Lockdown resulted in economic catastrophe. The unemployment rate in the state of California is 9% right now. The deaths per million rate is very, very similar to that of the state of Florida, where I currently reside. The difference is Florida didn't close. It was very funny. I saw a headline the other day. It said, California and Florida took exactly opposite tax on the pandemic and ended up with the same result. Well, they ended up very nearly with the same result in terms of deaths per million. There are a few notable differences. One, Florida is the second oldest state in America. California is the fifth youngest state in America. So what you would expect is Florida to have a lot more death than California because COVID predominantly kills people over the age of 65. But if your death per million rate is the same as California's and your state is much older, this means you have outperformed expectations. It means Gavin Newsom has underperformed expectations. If it turns out that all the policies that you pursued not only ended with the same death rate as Florida, but also ended with a far higher unemployment rate, 9% compared to 6.1% in Florida, and schools being closed across the spectrum, as opposed to being open in Florida, this means that Ron DeSantis in Florida did an excellent job and Gavin Newsom did a horrible job. And most people in California know this. There is a reason that major companies have left. It's a reason that Larry Ellison, founder of Oracle, is out. There's a reason that the founder of Palantir is out. There's a reason Joe Rogan is out. There's a reason Elon Musk is out. There's a reason that we took our 100 jobs out of California and we left. So what should Gavin Newsom do if he doesn't actually want to be recalled? Well, maybe he should end the lockdowns. The fact is the lockdown policy in California has been a complete non-success. So why doesn't he think about allowing more people to reopen their businesses? Why doesn't he make it clear to Californians that he wants them to reopen their businesses ASAP? Why not just start talking about refunding the police as opposed to defunding the police? It turns out that a lot of the poll data from 2020 show that Donald Trump's gains in the black and Hispanic community came largely because of the defund the police movement that people like Gavin Newsom have been backing. The lifestyle in California has declined rapidly because of lack of police. Why doesn't Gavin Newsom make alliances with the LAPD's union? Why doesn't he talk to the San Francisco Police Union and talk about cleaning up the streets? Which brings us to criminal policy. Why exactly doesn't Gavin Newsom push for the funding of new mental health facilities and a change in the law so that people who actually have serious mental illness can be more easily taken off the streets where they are living in their own filth and put in a facility where they can actually be taken care of. The fact is that homelessness is a preventable problem, but Gavin Newsom has done absolutely nothing to fix it. If he actually doesn't want businesses fleeing from his state and taking along the jobs, one thing he could talk about with his fellows in the Democratic-run legislature is actually lowering taxes rather than increasing taxes in the state of California. He could actually fight back against the teachers' unions. He could fight back against the public sector unions. Because guess what? He's the governor. He's a Democrat. The unions aren't going to go support Republicans in response. So unless he thinks that he is super vulnerable on his left flank, which is really unlikely at this point, then why wouldn't he just speak a little truth to power inside of his own caucus? The Democrats in California never seem to be able to tell the most ardent members of their own base that they need to hold off. And that is something that Gavin Newsom actually used to do. I remember I interviewed Gavin Newsom personally back when I was on L.A. radio on Local, and he said that the high-speed bullet train was a bad idea. If you had your druthers, would you kill the thing? I would take the dollars and redirect it to other more pressing infrastructure needs. Then, of course, he got into power, and it was, oh, this high-speed billet train, what a wonderful idea. It is fairly obvious what kind of policies need to be embraced in order for California to become a better place to live. Gavin Newsom could do all of these. And by the way, he could get away with it because it's a one-party state, and he's the governor, and he's a Democrat. He's not doing any of that stuff because he's so afraid of his own base that he's unwilling to tell them things that are absolutely true and that need to be said to make life better for all Californians. 
I mean, if you want to look at a governor who's doing well, how about my new governor? Governor DeSantis actually left it to localities to decide exactly how to deal with COVID, which makes sense because people live in their local communities. We will never do any of these lockdowns um, again. Governor DeSantis suggested that you'd actually have to have an excuse not to reopen your schools at a percentage of the population. That's a good thing. He was actually encouraging freedom. Governor DeSantis has stood strong against the increase of taxes in the state of Florida. Governor DeSantis has stood very much in favor of the police. He has stood against crime. All of these are things that have made Governor DeSantis very popular in a 50-50 state. Governor Gavin Newsom isn't even supremely popular in California, which is like a 70-30 state at this point. Now, here's the reality. As I said earlier, I doubt that there are the votes there to actually recall Gavin Newsom. Even if Gavin Newsom were recalled, it would take a splitting of the vote in order for a Republican to become a governor of California. But it is a sign that the Democrats who are widespread in California, basically about 45% of registered voters in California are Democrats, about 25%, 24, 25% are registered Republicans, another 25% are registered no party. It turns out that, that the Democrat and independent voters, they're frustrated with the governance, they just haven't figured out the solution, which is not to elect people like this anymore. When they finally figure that out, maybe there will be hope for the state of California. So, then Biden takes credit for his vaccine. Here we go. Failed to order enough vaccines. Just over four weeks ago, America had no real plan to vaccinate most of the country. My predecessor, as my mother would say, God love him, failed to order enough vaccines. Uh, the first COVID vaccine was in the U.S. was given on December 14th, 2020, when when uh, Trump was in. By December 26, 2020, 248,000 vaccines per day were deployed, were being deployed. And then January 11th came, 2021. That number had moved more than double to 658,000 vaccines per day. Then Biden sworn in on January 20th, 2021. Three days later, or before January 23rd, vaccines surpassed 1 million per day. That changed the moment we took office. I directed Jeff Science, my COVID-19 response coordinator, to lead my administration's work with the vaccine manufacturers to buy more vaccines and to speed up delivery. Pfizer and Moderna had already agreed to go go to 400 million doses, 200 million each in December. We're now on track to have enough vaccine supply for all Americans by the end of July. That was the plan of President Trump's administration. According to the Government um, Accountability Office, as of December 31st, 2020, the government had at least 800 million vaccine doses 
under contract, expected to be delivered by July 31st, 2021. arms, but enough vaccine will be available by that time. They're really showing them. So, is Biden saying something? No. He's not saying anything about um, the vaccine. Of course not. Because he's basically giving us nothing about the vaccine. Nothing. Literally nothing. I think that he's just saying, oh, let's let's do the vaccine and let's say um, we are going to we're going to have the vaccine available. We're going to be doing the vaccine, everything about the vaccine. He just loves talking about it. He just loves talking about the vaccine because he wants credit of the vaccine. Yeah. Meanwhile, lockdown uh, Boris Johnson government said on Sunday that every adult uh, in the country should receive at least the first dose of the COVID-19 vaccine by July 31st. Target well ahead of the government's precious aim achieve vaccination adult population by September. The Associated Press reported the UK's health secretary, Matt Hanek, um, said that officials should believe that they have enough doses of the vaccine to meet the antibodies. Um, Amtimidious new target, which would come following the UK surge to the top chart terms of the COVID-19 infections per capita last month. So it seems like that UK is coming out of a lockdown slowly, not fast, slowly. Yep. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's what I'm going to do for today. Um, We'll see you next week. Happy Perm, everybody. And remember, stay safe out there, and we wish you happy Perm. From the RMAC Network and Living Journey Podcast, we wish you happy Perm.